hey, y'all, thank you so much for tuning into this message. We hope that it speaks to your life. And if you have questions, please contact us. You can contact us on the website at thousandhillsranchchurch.com or thousandhillsranchchurch at yahoo.com. And then you can also call us at 580-216-6427. And may God use this message to change your life. Today, I'm going to wrap up our series on Don't Call Him a Cowboy. Now, don't applause. I know, I know. (laughs) No, we're going to wrap it up today. Don't Call Him a Cowboy. For the last, I think, six weeks, we've been looking at how um, a cowboy, if you're truly a cowboy, then you are a cowboy no matter who you're around. Your walk matches your talk, and your talk matches your walk, right? You're not somebody else over here and then somebody different over here, right? Well, it's the same way, and the idea behind this series has been going from being religious to having a true relationship. See, there are some Christians and some church people that all they want to do is is talk the talk. They'll come to church and be like, yes, okay, praise the Lord. Then they walk off and they're like, hey, y'all, how y'all what are you doing? You know, let's go do something. You know, I mean, they're different. I mean, it's just different. And, and again, you think, well, are those people uh, welcome in our church? Those people are the reason we, we started this church. See, there's the difference. I want you to get that. I mean, again, you, you have religious people who uh, just want to come to church. They want to, again, look maybe the way that you're supposed to look as a, as a Christian or as a church person, and then they want to be different. But here's the thing. A lot of churches will say, get out of our church because we don't want people giving our church a bad reputation. The opposite of that is what we desire. We desire religious people to come to our church so that they can find a brand new relationship with Jesus Christ. See, I'm not necessarily worried. I, I do worry about my reputation. I really do. And I, I want it to be um, a good reputation. But at the same time, I have tried to take my eyes off what people think and tried to put my eyes on what God thinks. And you're going to learn today a little bit about that. Well, uh, so don't call him a cowboy. It's all about a relationship. It's not about the religious act. It's not about going through the motions. It's about a relationship. So here's the thing. How do we go from just being religious to having a real relationship with God? I'm going to roll through these real quick. And if you missed all these, you can get on thousandhillsranchchurch.com and you can listen to all the messages online. But number one was this. How do we go from being religious to having a relationship? Number one, it starts on the inside. It starts on our inside. Number two, it can be seen on the outside. Number three, if you have a a real relationship with Jesus, it makes you new. You go from being old self and sinful nature to having a new nature. Number four, it changes our habits. If you love and know Jesus Christ personally, it changes your habits. You, You go from pleasing yourself to pleasing God. Number five, if you have a real relationship with God and with Jesus, it should be enjoyed. I, I can, can, okay, that one right there is my favorite so far. Is anybody else's, that, that one's your favorite? Because I, I believe that a lot of, again, a lot of times we want to come to church and we're supposed to be reverent. Cross, don't, don't you talk, kid. And we want to do that. And again, am I supposed to be reverent before God? Absolutely. Do I say 
things that will honor him and praise him? Absolutely. But I think we've missed out on enjoying honoring God. I love that one. Number six was, if we have a true relationship with Jesus, it should motivate us to serve. You should be motivated to serve. And then number seven, if you have a real relationship with Jesus, it should lead us and lead you to pray. There's power in prayer. You guys have all seen it. Well, today I want to wrap up this series, um, and I, I want to do it by giving you number eight. Here it is. If you guys are taking notes, here it is. A true follower of Jesus Christ, you ready? Is a friend of sinners. This is my new favorite. If you know Jesus Christ personally, if you walk in a love relationship with him, you should be a friend of sinners. And you say, well, we're all sinners. And and in that context, you know what this is talking about? This context, it's talking about people that don't love Jesus. I mean, we're all sinners, right? I mean, all of us have fallen short, but this context that we're going to look at today, it's talking about sinners in the context of being lost. They don't love Jesus. They may not even, they may hate God. They don't believe in Christ. And so that's what it's talking about. And, and, and again, if you're going to be a true follower of Jesus Christ, you ought to be a friend of sinners. Now, here's the thing. I believe that this is the, one of the most missed out things in a lot of Christians' lives. You may not think so, but I do. You know why? Because it's been missing in my life for a long period of time in my life. I grew up in, in, in a relationship in, in, with Jesus, and I, I obviously love Jesus and, and want to please him, but I grew up going from one Christian event to the next Christian event all the while passing by the people that need Jesus' love and the people that I'm taught to reach out to at the Christian event that I just came from. Do you get it? I mean, we call the Christian life going from one church service to the next church service, and we don't do anything on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. And we call it the Christian life. Now listen. If you are a true believer in Jesus, you are motivated at church, you are equipped at church to be busy about doing God's work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Amen? Amen. And, and so, again, it ought to be a part of our lives that we're a friend of sinners. I'm gonna, I want to focus on one sinner in the Bible that Jesus was friends with. And here's his name. You ready? Zacchaeus. You guys remember the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Can, did anybody know that song? And then Jesus came and said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today. For I'm going. Thank you, I had one person. I mean, that, that's a great song, and we need to teach that to our kids. Before they die, we need to teach them that song. I mean, they're not going to live life without knowing that song. Well, Zacchaeus is who I want to focus on today. Luke chapter 19. If you have your Bibles, turn there. If they're on your phone, I'll believe you that you're doing, looking at your Bible on your phone. So Luke chapter 19, um, starting in, I believe it's verse 1, uh, 1 through 10. Look at it with me. It says this. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief 
tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be a guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. Verse 10, For the Son of Man, which is Jesus, came to seek and to save the lost. Let's pray together. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, nobody's looking around. I want to challenge you to just pray in your heart. Maybe these words, Lord, teach me how to be a friend of sinners. Lord, I come to you today and I thank you Uh, For everybody in this church, I thank you for everybody that's here, whether they're a cowboy or not a cowboy, whether they're city boy, whether they're city girl, whatever it is, Lord, we thank you that they're here. We thank you that you have shown us a way to live our lives, and I pray today that we would begin to live our lives in a way that honors you. And for those that, that maybe don't know you personally, may they catch a glimpse today of a Savior that loves them and that wants to be their friend and their Savior. And so, Lord, speak to our hearts today. It's in your holy name I pray. Amen. Well, you have this story of Zacchaeus and Jesus. There's three characters. You got Zacchaeus, you got the crowd of people that are around Jesus, that were following Jesus, and then you have Zacchaeus, okay? Now, here's the thing. I want to look at three things that Jesus shows us about being a friend of sinners. Number one is this. You ready? Number one. Jesus knew who Zacchaeus was, and he still wanted to be his friend. Jesus knew who Zacchaeus was, and he still wanted to be his friend. Have you ever been, um, have you ever seen a, 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 a couple friends that you looked at them and you thought, how in the heck are they friends? I mean, I have some friends like that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Well, he, <laughs> I was going to point out one, but never mind. Do it. No, I'm just not going to do it. Um, but you, you look at, huh? No. You look at, you look at people, you look at certain people and you think, how are they friends? I'll, I'll use the movies, for instance. Lone Ranger and Tonto. I mean, you got a cowboy and Indian supposed to hate each other, you know, fight each other. They're together. Weird. I mean, has anybody seen the new Lone Ranger? I've heard it's pretty cool. Johnny Depp's in it. He's, the, he's, he's Tonto. But anyways, the Lone Ranger and Tonto, not a very likely pair. Um, what about another movie that's a favorite of mine, True Grit? Remember Marshall Rooster Cogburn and the little girl, what was her name, Maddie Ross? Unlikely friends. Another, uh, another friendship that I think of is uh, a, a couple guys by the name of Lane Frost and Tuff Hedeman. 
If you've ever seen the movie Eight Seconds, you kind of get an idea of what um, their life and their friendship was like. Not all of it was true. It's kind of a made-up kind of a deal. But here's the thing. Lane Frost was a good old boy. Everybody loved Lane, right? I mean, he was the politician, right? I mean, he would shake hands or he'd, he'd you know, he'd, he'd kiss the babies. I mean, he was the politician. He was a good guy. He didn't cuss. He didn't use the language that everybody else used. I mean, he was just an all-around good guy. Then you got Tough Hedeman. Right? I don't know. I met Tuff uh, one time. I don't know him personally, but from what the movies portray and all that stuff, and again, it's not all true. But here's the thing Tuff was tough. Um, Tuff was maybe didn't, he maybe used a little more colorful language. Um, he was a little more wild. I mean, he, he lived the cowboy lifestyle as it used to be lived in the bars, drinking the beer and all that stuff, getting into fights and all that stuff. And so you got this unlikely pair. One's so-called good and one so-called rough, right? Well, the same is true in this story. You got Jesus and you got Zacchaeus. Who was Zacchaeus? I want to give you some things about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a short man. Any short people in the house? It's okay. (laughs) We love short people. (laughs) I'm, I'm not short, but I love short people. I mean, they're cool. I mean, you ever see the unlikely pairs of short and tall people? I mean, you got like a seven-six guy, and he's got like a four-foot wife. Anybody ever seen that? Why, why do they do that? I mean, it's weird. <clears throat> but it's okay. It's cool. We love short people. I'm going to get off of that. I'm making fun of short people before I get in trouble. Anyways, uh, he was short. Zacchaeus was short. And we know that because the story tells us. What was his occupation? Verse 2. Look at it, verse 2. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the what? Chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. He was a tax collector, and if you know anything about tax collectors, they were hated. They were hated. But guess what? He wasn't just a tax collector. He was the chief tax collector. So he was probably even more hated. A chief tax collector or a tax collector, guess what they were? They were Jewish by birth. But they betrayed their Jewish friends and their Jewish family to work for the Romans, and they took advantage of everybody, making them pay more taxes. If they wanted to hike the tax rate, they could. They could take as much as they want because they were the power at at, at B right there. He was rich. He took people's money at will. He was greedy. He was a cheat. And in their society, guess what? He was hated and despised. You know who I compare him to? And again, I, I believe Jesus died for this guy too. Madoff. Anybody remember the story about Madoff? I don't know his first, is that his first name or last name? Bernie Madoff. Cheat, big Ponzi scheme, stole a bunch of money, millions of, mo- millions of dollars. Anyways, I, that's who I would compare him to. Despised, hated, people hate him. And again, can he be forgiven? Absolutely. And you're going to see that about Zacchaeus as well. So you got Zacchaeus, uh, jerk. I mean, everybody hates his guts. And then you got Jesus. I mean, Jesus was the greatest teacher that ever walked the face of the earth. Jesus was a miracle worker. He was a healer. I mean, he taught the word with authority. He was the holiest person that ever walked this earth. He was God's only son. But here's the thing. Needless to say, listen, Jesus and Zacchaeus were an unlikely pair. But here's the thing. Listen. They were unlikely in our eyes. I want you to get this. Listen. They were unlikely in the eyes of the world, but guess what? In God's eyes, they were the pair that Jesus came to the earth for. 
I want you to get that. Jesus came to the earth not to hang out with a bunch of religious people. He came to hang out with the lost. You get it? And so you think, well, that's an unlikely pair. Why would Jesus be with such a sinner like Zacchaeus? It's the reason he came. It's the reason he came. Jesus sees Zac- Zacchaeus, and guess what? He's not distracted by what everybody else is going to think. He doesn't care what they thought. He invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house. Look at verse 5. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. Now, can I clear something up right here? When we think about being friends with sinners, it's not just a person that you work with. Um, It's not just maybe the person that you witness to at Brahms. Those guys are probably acquaintances or fellow workers. When we talk about friendship, guess what we're talking about? You invite them over to your house. You eat dinner with them, and you, you, you know them. I mean, the Bible teaches us what this friendship looks like. Jesus befriended sinful people time after time. And listen to what he did. He knew them. He ate in their homes. He talked with them over wine. That's right. Jesus drank alcohol with sinful people. And, in, 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 and when I think about Jesus, I bet he bought the drinks. You say, well, no. Uh, and again, some of you guys are like, well, you shouldn't say that about Jesus. It's true. Some of you guys are too religious to admit it. Um, but Jesus drank wine with his friends and his sinful friends. He knew their names. He knew the kids' names, uh, their kids' names. He knew their dreams. He knew their successes. And he knew their failures. What am I describing here? I'm describing friendship. Not just an acquaintance or not just handing somebody a track and now we're buddies. You get the difference? And again, let me just say this. Some people use the excuse that I'm not going to be friends with sinners because I want to live a holy life. And and again, let me me explain this real quick. If you struggle with a certain sin that, that you maybe are struggling with, you don't probably need to be exposed to that certain sin. And I'll give you a for instance. If you struggle with alcohol, drinking way too much alcohol, then you probably don't need to be at the bar hanging out with sinful people. Do you get the drift? Do you understand what I'm saying? Because if you're tempted to drink too much, you need to probably steer clear when people are drinking too much. But here's the other side of that. A lot of us, we won't even expose ourselves to sinful people because we're worried about being holy. Here's the truth about God's word. God says, and and I don't know the reference, I should, but God says he will never tempt you beyond what you can bear. You know what that's saying? It's saying when you're tempted to do something, he will give you a way out. Here's the truth, though. A lot of Christians never get in a position to be tempted so that they can practice their faith. And again, this is a fine line. If you're a teenager, you don't need to be going to parties around drinking. Just let me say that. But when you're an adult and you've grown in the Lord, you need to be able to step into a situation and handle temptation. Do you see the difference? I mean, again, a lot of people say, well, I don't, I don't want to ruin my reputation. I want to live a holy life, and you need to. It's, that's what it's about. Live that righteous life. But listen, don't look over some sinful people because you're too worried about your pretty little reputation. 
Here's what I, I used to think when I, can I get a, can I get some clapping on that? I mean, <clears throat> there, there were times in my life where I would sit down and I'm a preacher. Everybody knows I'm a preacher. Everywhere I go, they know I'm a preacher. And there were times where I would sit down at dinner with some people and they would order a, a you know, a beer. They'd order a Corona. They'd order a whiskey sour. And I would want to get up because I didn't want to be around it. I thought I was thought I was doing the right thing. I don't need to be around this. I don't need to be exposed to that. Here's what God has done in my life. The, the, and again, you say, well, that's, that's sinful. No, it's not. Again, I don't want to get on this drinking bit, but if you can handle a drink once or twice in, in one or two, the Bible says it's okay. Not everybody can, but there are some people that can. And now guess what God does in my life? I'm attracted to those people because they're real. They don't hide their beer when I show up. They drink it in front of me, and they're real. So again, you think, well, you know, you should be holy, you, and you should. But listen, I think it's a dumb excuse for us to say that we're not going to hang out with sinful people because we're too worried about what all the other church people are going to think. You get it? Can I get an amen on that? Now listen, I'll give you another example. I was at um, a wedding the other day. And I do a lot of weddings, and I do a lot of weddings for people that maybe don't come to church and, and maybe you're lost. They don't know Jesus. I was at a wedding the other day, and I know the night before, probably everybody was drunk um, because I wasn't invited. <laughs> yeah, the truth is, probably everybody was drunk. Um, we get to the, the reception after that, and everybody's drinking. It's okay. I mean, again, everybody's drinking. Um, the koozies that they handed out said, we're cowboys, let's get drunk. <laughs> I mean, but here's the thing. And you think, Bo, you shouldn't have been there. That's what a lot of you think. Now listen, I, I consciously made a decision to go. You know why? Because I want to befriend people that don't know Jesus. And when I got there, listen, and, and I, I don't, I'm not saying this because I'm boasting about myself, but God showed me, you need to serve these people. If you're going to reach people that don't know Jesus, you need to serve them. So here's what I did. I had my white shirt on. I rolled up my sleeves. I grabbed a knife, and I started cutting brisket. And I got, I got my sleeves rolled up, and I started cutting brisket. And guess who I was standing by? The groom's dad. And guess what he said to me? He said, guess, he goes, Bo, I've never seen a preacher get his hands dirty. It killed me. You know why it kills me? Because lost people think that we're perfect. They think that we don't struggle. They think that we don't, you know, aren't tempted. And, and again, he looked at me and he thought, man, you're, you're the first preacher that I've ever known that's got his hands dirty. And I was like, man, you need, you need to come to our church because you will see more people that get their hands dirty. So, again... The key is taking advantage of opportunities with sinful people and knowing when to step out of a situation when you don't need to be there. You see the difference? But a lot of times people go, I don't want to be in that situation. Listen, Zacchaeus, he, he could have said this to Jesus, or he could, have, he could have questioned this in his own mind. Does Jesus know who I am? I mean, does he know that I hang out with all these other sinners? Does he know who's at my table? Does he know who he's eating with? I mean, shouldn't he be at dinner with religious people? I mean, that's what, that's what Zacchaeus could have thought. 
Jesus, listen to this, Jesus knew everything, and yet he went to his house and he ate at his table. And guess what? By the way, the religious people, listen to how they reacted. Verse 7, all the people saw this and they began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Here's the thing that I think these religious people probably believed. They believed in that phrase. Remember the phrase, hate the sin, love the sinner? But in their effort to hate sin, they began to hate the sinner as well. It's something that can happen to me, and it's something that can happen to all of us. And so again, the religious people, they they didn't respond the right way. So Jesus knew who Zacchaeus was, and he still wanted to be his friend. Number two is this. Zacchaeus, listen to this. This is more, this is even more, this is more fun right here. I love this. Zacchaeus knew who Jesus was, and he still wanted to be his friend. Do you, do you see it? I mean, you got Jesus wanting to be a, a friend of sinners, and then you got a sinner wanting to be a friend of the Son of God. I don't know if that floors you, but it floors me. Uh, Verses 5 and 6. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And then listen to this. So he came down and at once welcomed him what? Gladly. Do you see that? I mean, here you got, you got Zacchaeus, who, who is a sinner. Everybody hates his guts. I mean, everybody there just despises him because he's a cheat and a jerk. And Zacchaeus looks at Jesus and says, I want to be your friend. Why would Zacchaeus want to be friends with Jesus? Here's why I think he would want to be friends with Jesus. And this is profound. Listen to this. Because Jesus wanted to be friends with him. There was a survey done, and they surveyed a bunch of unbelieving people, people that didn't believe in Jesus. They did this survey, and they said, would you have a conversation with a person that knows Jesus or a Christian? And 78%, listen to this, 78% of lost people, people that don't know Jesus, said, I would have a conversation, a spiritual conversation with, with a friend about Jesus. 78% said, I would have a, a conversation with a friend about spiritual things. I, I don't know about you, but that floors me. And, and here's the key word. They would have a conversation with a friend about spiritual things. Here's the thing. A lot of people and a lot of Christians, a lot of Christians in the church, here's the sad part. They don't want to have a conversation with the lost person. Do you see the difference? I mean, you got these lost people going through hell in their lives, and they're going through all this stuff, and they want to have some answers, but the, lot, the church people are backing up because they don't want to get too close. I mean, no, no, I don't want to get too close. So they're looking for the answers, but the church people are going, no, I can't. And so again, Jesus wanted to be friends with Zacchaeus, but Zacchaeus wanted to be friends with Jesus. Number three is this, and I'm done. The last thing that we can learn about this story is this. Jesus' friendship changed Zacchaeus' life. Jesus' friendship changed Zacchaeus' life. Look at verses 8 through 10. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half 
of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man who came to seek and to save the lost. You say, well, how did Jesus change Zacchaeus's life? You know how he changed it? He was friends with him and he loved him. Because Jesus was willing to do what his father had called him to do, which was go and seek and save that which is lost, Zacchaeus' life was changed. How did it happen? It happened because Zacchaeus had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. And listen, Zacchaeus wasn't just changed on the inside, he was changed on the outside. Did you, read, did you hear that? I mean, he said, okay, everybody that I've cheated, I'm going to give back four times. It changed him, not, on the ins- not just on the inside, but on the outside. And so here's my question to you. If you had a religious group or a religious crowd, would they ever be able to accuse you of being a friend of sinners? I want you to think about that. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a second. Here's the first question that I have for for all of us. Are you a follower of Jesus? Yeah, you don't have to raise your hand, but, but listen. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Do you know him personally? Maybe, maybe you're not. Maybe you're not a follower and you don't know Jesus personally. Maybe you're just that religious person, uh, again, that just goes through the motions. Can I give you a, a word of advice? Repent. And you say, Bo, what's that mean? What's that word mean? What's that repent word mean? Here's what it means. It means that you turn from your sin, you turn from the things that, that you know are sinful, and you turn toward God and you accept him into your life. You turn a 180 and you turn to him. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, well, Bo, I'm Zacchaeus. I'm that, I'm that lost person. And, and I'm sinful. I, I, I don't know if Jesus will be my friend. Listen, learn from Zacchaeus' story. He will be a friend to everybody. And the truth is, listen to this, the truth is, I'm Zacchaeus. I'm a sinner. I've fallen short. I may not be short in stature, but I've fallen short from the glory of God. But guess what? I've spent time with Jesus, and he's changed my life. And here's the truth. Jesus wants to spend time with you, and he wants to change your life as well. And so maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus personally. Again, Romans 10, 9, and 10 says that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus wants a personal relationship with you. And so listen, maybe in your chair right there, you just need to say, okay, Lord, I I give you my life. 
I confess you as my Lord, and I believe that you died and you rose from the dead, and I want you to save me from my sin. Listen, if you just prayed that prayer, you made the best decision you'll ever make in your life. And listen, we don't ask people to come to the front. We don't ask you to to be introduced in front of all these people. All we ask you to do is let us know by filling out that orange sheet and placing it in our offering bucket. And guess what? We don't do that to keep, you know, pad our records or to keep numbers. We do that so that we can walk with you through this life so that you can grow in your friendship with the Savior of the world. And so allow us to celebrate with you and to show you how to live this life. For those of you that are maybe here today and you're already a Christian, but you're living a religious life, not a a relationship type of life. I hope that you will see that a relationship is so much more fulfilling. And just going through the motions, just doing your church duty, just checking off your list. It's not as fulfilling as knowing him personally, allowing him to know everything and confessing everything and loving him with all your heart. And so I pray that you would go from being a religious person to having a true, passionate relationship with Jesus. If you need help, we're here to help. If you need a devotional, you need a Bible, you need something that'll help you grow in that relationship, we've got it. And we will give it to you. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to close this in a word of prayer. And if you want to talk, if you need to visit, we would love to visit with you. If you're a first-time guest, please meet us out on the north side here and we will give you a, a gift for being here today. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for how you show us not just to to be holy, but to be a friend of those that aren't holy. Even though, Lord, you've called us to be separate from the world, you've called us still to be in the world. And so, Lord, help us to know where that line is. And help us to cross the line into your will, into what you want us to do, and not to worry about what everybody else will think. Lord, teach this church and help this church to be a friend of sinners so that we can increase the population of heaven. Lord, we thank you. It's in your holy name I pray. Amen. Thank you guys for being here. We appreciate it. Again, we want to thank you for listening to this message. And if you have questions, please contact us. We would love to visit with you. Again, Thousand Hills Ranch Church at yahoo.com. Or you can contact us by phone, 580-216-6427. And may God bless the ride you're on.